We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, joined by my co-host here, it is Sean Siegel, he is one of the co-owners at Road of His. he is the co-host of the Stadium Bananas podcast. Sean, week one is done and dusted, it's in the books and we're recording this one on Tuesday the 14th of September. Uh, a lot, a lot of fun to see that full NFL game slate back on our screens. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I want to start things off here uh, by saying that anyone who hasn't checked out the mammoth recap between Sean and Ben on Stealing Bananas this week came out on Monday morning, fresh and early for anyone that's ready to get back into the action after the uh, Sunday night football and all the games. But Sean, uh, phenomenal content from yourself and Ben with the key takeaways from from the games. I know the plan moving forward is that it's not expected to be quite as uh, in-depth maybe as this one and maybe single out certain aspects, but for week one, it felt very much appropriate. But great show, but uh, I would urge the listeners, if they haven't already listened to it after they finish up this one, head back and listen to it on the Stadium Bananas feed. But week one, Sean, you had a mega show, but it was uh, a mega week of action. It was, you know, we, we've got a plan that is for a shorter show. We got on uh, Sunday night and just, and we were so excited. We're like, we're going to record as long as, as we want to talk. And so we did, and it was fun. And, and hopefully the listeners will enjoy. Uh, we both had, you know, pages of notes that we wanted to go through and, and kind of share some things that we saw that, you know, someone who is only able to watch a game or two here and there might not be able to see things like, you know, sequence of events. Sometimes that makes a big difference. You know, did a guy score all of his points in garbage time? You know, what decisions did the coaches make on fourth down that really impacted the games set teams up to score a lot of points or to not score in the Chiefs situation. We covered the fact that the Browns went for it on fourth down there, two drives, the Chiefs kicked a field goal that put Kansas city in some real trouble. And it was really, you know, the magic of Mahomes and, some very good fortune. The Browns made some key mistakes late that I don't think they would usually make that kind of bailed out Andy Reid. So we talked about a, a variety of things like that. And, you know, it was so much fun. Colin, you and I, we're here now recording Tuesday morning. We can see the final scores. And uh, you and I did a bunch of listener leagues. We're not 
in great shape in those. The listeners really took it to us. They did a fantastic job as we would expect in our FBG and main events. Very exciting. We, we've got two of our three teams, not only one, but are in first place. And that's a great place to be after the first week. Yeah, and obviously we'll we'll say in the leagues that we're behind, we'll say it's you know it's a long season. Well, we have time to work things out. Those leagues were in ahead, ahead, and though I think we're definitely going to win all those leagues. That's the the key takeaway. But yeah, the, a, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, obviously uh, the main event team in a, in a great place uh, to be in first place. That one rolled with uh, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, uh, DeAndre Swift. Obviously had a nice game, and then the the monster game by Debo Samuel. So. Um, yeah, nice place there, and obviously the team that we're in as well, along with Anthony Amico and the football guys, uh, in a good place. And we picked up uh, Tayson in that one, and he had a, a pretty solid game, I guess, for his NFL uh, week one. So we'll see what happens there moving forward. But Sean, it was uh, so much fun just to see the games back. But one of the first things that came into my Twitter timeline as those games happened was, and you mentioned it as. Uh, a punt attempt it was teddy bridgewater's throw to kj hamler but there was a lot of concern on twitter for our sean siegel's well-being after uh, that kj hamler drop uh, the listeners were concerned <laughs> well it was sort of the signature play of week one right so he gets wide open and like that's exactly what we expect He's, he's clear of the defense by by five or six yards ben was making a case that it was arguably Teddy Bridgewater's fault because he underthrew him when he had the easy touchdown. Uh, I think when the ball comes down sort of like a punt and you're still the only guy there, right? I mean, the defender's not getting his hand in. You've got to make that catch. I think that KJ Hamler would agree. He spent some time down there. Uh, hands on his head, on his knees, lamenting the drop. Uh, Colin, this was an interesting game because we saw from Hamler what we know that he can do and uh, you know made some underneath catches as well one of the things about hamler is that he can be kind of an all-around guy they had a, a big conversion late where bridgewater scrambled around for a long time threw back across his body not really the kind of quarterback with the arm strength where you want him throwing across his body back into the middle of the field but hamler there for the reception they look good at the same time both for uh people who have rostered Hamler and those who drafted Cortland Sutton at what looked like a pretty good discount. The fact that Tim Patrick was in many ways playing ahead of both of them was a, a big, big concern. But now Jerry Judy out, certainly, uh, you know, as far as high ankle sprains go, a, a pretty grisly injury. It looks like he could be out for, you know, a month to eight weeks, that kind of thing. Now perhaps there are enough targets to go around. So Patrick, an interesting pickup. Him or someone who really does now, I think, move more to the forefront. You know, probably you're going to still wait another week before you start him, unless you're already kind of in a situation where it feels like you know disaster mode. You know, if you have Judy, if you have Brandon Ayuk, if you didn't go as deep at wide receiver as we recommend, then maybe you're already in a situation where Hamler looks like an interesting play this week, but. The Broncos, uh, you know, a little bit like we expected, right? Teddy Bridgewater looked like himself, you know, was not a dynamic player, but also didn't crush the offense. They had a lot of weapons. Noah Fant looked good, but, uh, you know, also for people who have him in the lineup, the fact that Albert O was out there and just also looks very dynamic, you know, they 
they've got a lot of people to split the touches between them, and we saw that at the running back position for them as well. Yeah, and there was a, there was some interesting usages, and I know Alberto was somebody who you mentioned a few times um, when we talked about Fant. Obviously, I have him on a huge amount of rosters. I know you do as well, but I do think the the Broncos, in terms of what happened in Week One, was pretty positive all around outside of the the, the Judy um, injury. So hopefully, he will be back. I would imagine it's going to be that kind of eight week time frame. But when it happened originally, I thought it was probably the entire season so we'll see how he recovers from that um lots of other things sean to dive into and we will be doing that in a moment but another question that came in was and i just wanted to take it up on the show so all the listeners were aware of what would be happening but the 15 was a very uh kind of helpful piece over the the last couple of years on the on the road of his website there was a few people wondering if there was going to be a kind of weekly recap column or something of the similarity on the site this year or is that something that uh won't be in the won't be in the reading this this season. Well, I think I did the 15 a couple of years ago. And I think it was the first year of OT. So I think maybe two years ago was the first year. Yeah. And that was a fun one. It it was a little bit long, right? And we're gonna try and <laughs> incorporate the, the, the five. <laughs> right. Maybe the six and a half. It it uh we we've got a lot of great co- content that's gonna come out through the week. And so I'm going to have a, a, a recap on Mondays. It's going to go through a lot of the notes. Uh, sometimes we'll do some different things conceptually. You know, might have even later this week, probably next week. We'll just kind of see how much time that I have. But it's fun early in the season to go through sort of rest of season rankings. We might even be able to do that uh, a little bit for the next couple of shows this week. Uh, sort of, you know, people we've moved up, people we've moved down. And it's fun to look at those sort of down the line and try and figure out how much you overreacted, how much you were right. I think that there's a lot of important information in week one, right? We almost have gotten to the point where people are saying, you know, ignore week one completely because you know, we're going to overreact. And I don't think that's true. When we looked at kind of the rest of season rankings after the first week last season moved, you know, I mean, part of it's always, you're going to say, okay, well, the people that I thought were going to take a big step, if they had a big game in week one, then we're set. Right. So you're like CD Lamb. We thought he was going to be awesome. Had a big game. Uh, ben and I had a draft that we did after the Thursday night game and we selected him at the 111. Right. So we got another 111, <laughs> used it on Lamb. Per- feel pretty comfortable with that. Right. I mean, obviously you get to play the points. And so that factors into your strategy because you do want to win in week one. And as a result, we were able to finish second in total points in week one. So you're off to a fast start. As we go along, is that move still going to pay off? I like having Lamb up there. Obviously, you know, Amari Cooper scored even more points, but we think that Lamb will be an absolute star, especially now with Gallup out. And so, you know, Lamb and Cooper could both smash ADP, even though Lamb selected pretty early. But you look at last season, you know, Calvin Ridley, somebody who up there very high, DeAndre Hopkins very high, Stefan Diggs very high. Now, all those people are people we had as draft targets. And so they go off early and you're like, okay, you know, this is where I had them. So this is where I think that they are. And then there's a little bit of good fortune that that turned out to be right. We'll kind of see what happened this season. I mean, Calvin Ridley is somebody I would move way down after week one. Now, I don't think that the Falcons will be that bad and they're going to have to make some adjustments. But if you have a bad team and you have a head coach who is stubborn about wanting to run the ball, then you have kind of the worst of both worlds, right? I mean, you look at the Giants are absolutely terrible, but they scored a bunch of points in garbage time. The Lions are going to get run out of the gym most weeks, but they scored a lot of points actually in the first half, and then they scored a lot more in garbage time. 
teams that are bad have to score garbage time points. If the Falcons are going to be terrible, which is kind of the direction it looks like they're going in, and they refuse to score points in garbage time, then suddenly guys like Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts are not interesting at all. I mean, you're going to still start people who are, are going to be the main targets on their team and will score some points. I mean, it's not like Calvin Ridley is going to go down from being a one-two term player to all the way out of your starting lineup, but the rest of your team may need to be pretty good because uh, he's probably not going to carry it. And so he would be one of the guys that I liked, and now I'm pretty concerned about him. Mean, you, you hear coaches talk about, okay, we're going to establish the run, and then once the game starts, they try and win the game. The Falcons did not. <laughs> okay, so well, I don't think that's going to be a full-season trend, but it, it is worrying. It certainly got off, uh, speaking of the Falcons, uh, got off to a bad start for our uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Matt Ryan uh, <laughs> bets that we were talking about all offseason long. So hopefully hopefully that picks up a little bit. But the last thing to hit before we do really dive into it is some suggestions come in over the last week or so around, and this is something I've intended to do for a while, is update the players in the road of his overtime and uh, kind of intro to the show so we had some suggestions sent in but i want to open it up to all the listeners uh, you can send them to me on twitter or you can email them over uh, twitter is at overtime ireland or email it at overtime ireland at gmail.com we'll get some sort of a poll going to see who we add in we have had suggestions like kj hamler uh, tyler boyd is one who has been recommended a number of times but hit us up with your kind of top three players and I'm, I'm going to split it and have three players in the intro we'll update that over the next couple of weeks so uh, Sean, if you had to pick one player to make it into that list, I think at the moment, uh, I think Devontae Adams might be in it. Uh, I would have to actually go back and listen to the fall intro to remember who all is in it, but who would be your uh, pick to have on this mind Rushmore for, for the introduction to the show? Well, the two clear guys are Tyler Boyd and, and KJ Hamler, but <laughs> right now we, we want to pick somebody who scored some points in week one, right? <laughs> so um, we don't want this to be a shutout lineup. Well, uh, I mean, DeAndre Swift, we, we talked a lot about him during the offseason. He was our guy where we said, you know, if you're going to pick a dead zone back or really any early back, that he would be a guy. Then there's a ton of nerves about it because obviously the groin injury and then some, you know, things that are more off the field that we won't get into. But he started to look like a player that like, OK, well, all of the teams that have him are going to have to do something else. And yet week one starts and DeAndre Swift was the most impressive running back in the NFL. I mean, Nick Chubb would be in the mix there. Look, very good. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, it, he should not be allowed in fantasy football, right? I mean, Christian McCaffrey is too good to make fantasy football fair. Outside of those guys, DeAndre Swift. I mean, That was definitely the quietest, most understated, you know, nearly 200-yard game in NFL history, I think, from Christian McCaffrey this week. Uh, the Panthers didn't look great. Sam Darnold looked okay. But on the drives where they unleashed McCaffrey as a receiver, down the field with ease. I mean, they could score every drive if they just used him as a receiver. Now, I mean, they use him as a running back some because he's fantastic as a running back as well. But uh, I don't know. The Panthers will be interesting because they have Sam Darnold, right? But DJ Moore... Christian McCaffrey, those guys looked unbelievable in week one. DJ Moore, his final line does not jump out at you. The Panthers didn't score a lot of points. Uh, they were a team that punted from the Jets 33. It's like, I mean, why did you guys even come out to play here on Sunday if you're going to do stuff like that? I mean, that's like showing up for a flag football game and then just sitting on the sidelines. You know, if you're here to play, play. But 
you know, McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Moore made a couple of circus catches. He got tackled on the sidelines, got rolled up on a little bit there. Looked like maybe he was going to be one of the guys who was out because injuries happen every week. You have to have a deep enough team to come through. You hope that the injuries, number one, just don't happen. These are real people. And then number two, from a fantasy perspective, you hope they don't happen at the beginning of games and give you, you know, a zero or a one or a two, something like that. Uh, he was able to play through it, still played pretty well from that point. In most weeks, the Panthers will have to try and score more points because they won't play be playing the Jets in Zach Wilson's NFL debut. Wilson looked good. I mean, if he had more weapons at his disposal and just kind of as he gets uh, more comfortable with it, the teams with rookie QBs this week call them a lot to be excited about for their futures. The teams with guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan and you know the situation there in Washington. I mean, those teams, I think... It, you know, if you're if you're the Denver Broncos and you've got this elite team and you passed on Justin Fields, I don't know. I mean, you got to take some risks and, and get some of those quarterbacks. If you added Sam Darnold instead of getting one of these rookies, Mac Jones looks like he's going to be a 15-year, you know, above-average starter. I don't know if we can say multiple Super Bowl winner, but you compare Mac Jones in Week One, his NFL debut, to you know, ten of the old guys. There's no question; he already looks better. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Sean, we're going to look around some more of the games now. You were mentioning some of the quarterbacks. Um, we'll not dive into it too much, but uh, one of your notes here was about AJ Dillon looking good, unlimited touches. 
the Packers didn't look good on any touches and uh, most of that game it was a, a tough watch for the the Packers but Dylan did look uh, pretty sharp in the opportunities he got the team did not run the ball very often and got pretty substantially blown out by the the Saints down there um actually in Jacksonville but I, I thought Dylan looked pretty sharp but there's probably overall not a huge amount we can hopefully take away from that game moving forward for for Packers uh, game script Right, I, I, I kind of limited how much I put the Packers on here because I, I know that that's a that's a soft spot for someone and, and very considerate. Harp on the the bad things that happen. It was still kind of a crazy game. It's kind of one of these situations where, you know, again, you can understand it from a human perspective and the decisions to draft guys like Jordan Love. I mean, that that would rub you the wrong way. But this first week one here for the Packers played out like a situation where the leader of an organization bash that organization the entire offseason as opposed to leading and practicing right <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you expect to happen when the most important player on your team actively works against you until the last like week and so you know unfortunate all around for the packers the other thing just for them is that this game was somewhat reminiscent of what the chiefs dealt with in the super bowl where even if you have some good receivers even if you have one of the best quarterbacks in football you do get to a point where your offensive line is so bad that even a quarterback who gets rid of the ball quickly, even a quarterback who has some mobility, uh, even a quarterback who can make amazing throw after amazing throw, it, it does start to cause a problem for you. And that's a little bit where the Packers seem to be. So we'll see how much that carries over. The You, know, you have to give some of these defenses credit. I mean, the Tennessee Titans look very bad, but Arizona's defense, a little bit what we might have expected or at least hoped for with the J.J. Watt acquisition I mean, they just rampaged over that Titans offensive line. I don't think that we're going to see that on a week-in, week-out basis. I was reading something about uh, the Titans not having as much play action in week one. And it's like, if Derrick Henry is getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage and you're in all these bad down-and-distance situations, it's much harder to use play action. I mean, play action is based on the fact that a play works and that the running game has some effect. And so, you know, you've got some different situations. If Chandler Jones is in there in dragon mode <laughs> – taking a guy out uh, just over and over and over. I mean, if you can't block the guys, if your quarterback has no time, then it's going to be a tricky situation. It's almost within that context that A.J. Dillon was impressive because, I mean, he burst through the line, you know, hit the guys to the second level. He didn't have any highlight runs, but he looked big, he looked fast. I think that that part was exciting, and that's a little bit of a contrast between him and one of our other guys. It's, it's important that we you know go through and discuss some of these guys that we talk about a lot uh early on at least because you know we want to make sure we're continuing to look at the context and explaining where we are in some of these situations the cardinals was an interesting one i thought because their offense looked great that and looked awesome. Kyler murray looked fantastic deandre hopkins they used him more like we would hope they used him last year now from a fantasy perspective he scored a ton of points but this massive two touchdown game is a little bit more even what we kind of hoped for last season. There were some funny plays. There was a play where Christian Kirk and AJ Green run into each other and fall down. And that was pure AJ Green style right there. Rondell Moore, not the, the big headline with how good Christian Kirk was, but my goodness. I mean, look good. You look at the scores for for Moore, and then even especially Elijah Moore, who you know did not do anything fantasy wise for the Jets, and you're like, okay, well maybe these guys are a ways away. They both looked so fast that it was you know 
you, you don't see a lot of guys who are kind of at that Tyreek Hill level where they're on a completely different speed than everybody else. And then unfortunately, some of them are like Henry Ruggs where they can't use the speed effectively at all. And they're in the don't ha- really have any value. But both of those guys look fantastic. So unless Elijah Moore is that fast, but then you know continues to be sort of Henry Ruggs-ish, then you know he should be fine. Rondell Moore looked great. But kind of how that then trickled down to the running game, Chase Edmonds was able to be used a lot more, like I think people expected him to be used last year. There was a lot more space. And as a result, you know, he really took advantage. He looked very, very fast. And you know, so for anybody who didn't have a chance to see the game, a big chunk of the yards, like 40 yards worth of receiving value came on the final play of the first half where the Titans were like 50 yards down the field and they let him actually run 40, 50 yards before they decided to, to tackle him and, and actually got a little tricky because they, they let him get, you know, within you know, 10 to 15 yards cars. of the end zone there. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe he'll get all the way in, even though those yards probably you know, they, they count for fantasy. They're great. That's one of the things with the receiving back. You know, you're looking for some plays like that. Even if you take those yards out, I mean, his score is a little bit different, but I mean, he looked good. James Conner, I felt like the contrast was not great for him because there's such a big difference in terms of the athleticism those guys are demonstrating. One of the things that we talked about, and we talked about it with the Advanced Staff Explorer is that some of the peripherals last season, when you compare Edmonds to Connor, Connor actually comes out well ahead. And some of those things are evasion percentage and broken tackles. We saw a little bit of that from Connor. He had maybe the most epic uh, stiff arm that I've seen in a while. I mean, he was fighting through one of the Titans defenders and they were kind of riding each other for five yards sideways. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff for James Connor this week was sideways, which that doesn't get you any fantasy points. And so, you know, they're going, and then he just takes the guy and puts him on the ground. And they're like, that kind of thing does jump out to the coaches. That's the kind of thing that can earn you more touches, even if you shouldn't get them, right? Because going forward is what matters. He also would have had a touchdown. They had the ball, you know, on the one foot line, and, the, and it was a clear play to him. And the offensive line false started, moved it back. You wipe out the touchdown. He doesn't have a good game. So there were some positives, right? Some of the things that we were counting on, which is that Connor would get goal line touches. Those things seem to be there. I'm a little bit nervous about the fact that Edmonds just looked that good. And Connor looks, you know, like a a guy who could be anybody. Yeah, I I would agree. I thought basically everything you said there was, was correct in terms of Edmonds did look sharp, looked explosive. Connor, not as much, but I don't think he is as explosive as Edmonds. So, and then in that way, it wasn't a huge surprise. What I thought was good is, Early in the game and quite regularly in the game, Connor was getting usage. It will be a split backfield all season long, but I think there's going to be games where there's a lot on offer for both of these guys. You mentioned the false start. You know, if that false start doesn't happen, there's a, a big change on the narrative. It's a first half rushing touchdown for James Connor. He gets the goal line carry at the one yard line. And I think over the season, this team, which we thought was going to be extremely explosive, is going to be extremely explosive. Kyler Murray looked fantastic. The offense looked fantastic. Christian Kirk looked good. So I think there's a lot of things to be very, very positive around the Cardinals offense. And I think then with them putting up points, there's inevitably going to be chances for these running backs to put up the points. So I was quite happy in the, you know, inside the 20 when they were in there that Connor was in quite a large chunk of that time. Just the opportunities didn't really show. So I think both running backs are going to have significant value. I think it's going to be a, a split all season long, but I think with this offense, they can, 
they can make that work and um, some of the other plays sean to uh mention here in terms of running backs um before actually we get into running backs tj hawkinson uh looked like what we were hoping tj hawkinson was going to look like He did, right? I mean, one of the things that we were excited about was not just the volume, but and it kind of depends if, if you've watched all of the games over the last several years or not, because I think if you haven't, then you don't necessarily have the sense of Hawkinson as the guy who was sort of on the verge of being a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type of player. Now, at this point, none of those guys are a Darren Waller type of player. <laughs> I mean, like, when you talk about someone of that size and that athleticism and the quarterback's willing to throw it to them every play, I mean, Darren Waller could end up being, you know, it, it, right now, if you had a chance to pick your player for week two and Christian McCaffrey is gone, I mean, Darren Waller's the, the 102, right? I mean, extraordinary from both Carr and Waller. I mean, that's a game, too, where they weren't even efficient. I mean, if... Carr throws a few more of those passes a little bit more accurately. Waller decides to put up his second hand on a couple of those and, and haul those in. I mean, you're talking about a season from Darren Waller, the likes of which, you know, we've basically never seen. Hawkinson, a guy who, who looked like he'd be more like a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type of player and has that, that wiggle and that explosiveness, number one, to get open, number two, to run after the catch. And I mean, he's going to face a lot of defensive attention. So he needs to be extremely athletic. It's not just something where you can say, okay, well, we don't have anybody else. We're going to throw to him a lot. You know, you can have em empty touches, empty opportunities. He looked very good. Uh, Jerry Goff had a lot of, you know, Jerry Goffish type throws where, uh, you know, he was early and inaccurate to the receivers, but the Lions went after it. He made some nice throws to the running backs. He was mostly dead on to Hawkinson when that read was open. He was accurate. He was fast. He got the ball out there to him early. Hawkinson was able to get up, turn up field. And we'll see how other teams approach it. I mean, it's one of these situations where the kind of nightmare that I have going into every week with them is that he'll be triple teamed because, you know, you talk about Devontae Adams and in some of the game for him yesterday, you know, the Saints are all over him. And even for someone of that level, there does become a certain point where they're just going to give you other players and say, we think these other players are so bad that you can't beat us with them, even if we're leaving them almost uncovered, then that creates a dynamic that's unfortunate from a fantasy perspective. It'll be interesting to see how the Lions progress. Hawkinson looked very, very good. Yeah, he looked really good. And uh, we're going to go a little bit rapid fire. I'm going to hit you with a couple of backfields here as we get ready to, to close out the show. And we'll go through them here and see see what your thoughts are. So obviously the, the Lions, we mentioned Swift. We also have uh, Jamal Williams in there. Both of them have been pretty uh, significantly, uh, I guess, uh, productive fantasy days and um, the backfield there i think it's a case of swift is the number one williams is gonna be a very productive number two as well i think in, in that offense he will they, they both look great this offense is going to create a ton of value for the running backs uh williams was the rb3 swift was the rb4 both scored you know 24 plus points williams got a little bit more of his in garbage time swift out touched him which is not what people were projecting going into the game but swift just so electric once the game starts it's hard to take the ball out of his hands when the rest of your offense doesn't have you know that much playmaking ability but you know if they can stay with this level of aggressiveness uh, jamal williams will score which is what the people who drafted him were saying and, and it's true I mean, we've seen him a lot of times with 
the Packers. It'll be interesting to see if the Lions somehow create more opportunity for him as the backup than the Packers did. That's not going to happen every week, but Williams definitely at his draft cost looks like he will pay off there. You know, Colin, there weren't a lot of running backs necessarily creating points in week one, or at least certainly there were some very high profile busts. And so if you have some running backs who can score, that's going to be encouraging. One of the things that we do know is that market share of expected points at the running back position does matter. And so in some of these cases, you know, you're looking for uh, the numbers to drop as we go forward. It's not going to be sustainable, but you know, you look at some of the other teams that are up there, like the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb, number five, Kareem Hunt, number 12. Those are some of the things that we've seen where some of these backfields have been able to sustain it, uh, not only for multiple weeks, but actually for, you know, more than a year. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be going to be fascinating there. The other one that uh, I want to head on here, and it was a, a very good game to watch. And you mentioned it earlier, and that was the Chiefs and the Browns and Chiefs just getting it done in the end. And you know Patrick Mahomes. There's probably not much more we can say about him, but at this point, <laughs> I, I, nobody's ever been as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't think at, at this point through his early stage of his career, the the times that it looks like it's all over for the Chiefs that he he can get the the big job done again, um, and he did it here as well. So obviously Tyreek Hill having a big day, Kelsey having a big day, but on the Brown side, um, what was your thoughts on on how the running backs looked? Obviously, uh, Chubb uh, having a, a couple of rushing touchdowns there. Yeah, it's one of those situations where the Chiefs are not a dominant run defense, but that's not really necessarily what they're going for. It's almost a deal where if you want to run on them and create a situation where you have to execute a lot of good plays because you're going to put yourself in some third downs, you know, they'll occasionally stop you, they'll jump way ahead, then you can't really run on them anymore because it's no longer that situation, which is a little bit we saw at the very end of the game when Baker Mayfield did finally make the big mistake. Uh, fortunately for the Chiefs, they don't have to play the Browns every week because their approach doesn't fit them very well. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are so good that with your kind of mediocre to bad run defense, they actually create so many big plays that it's almost facing a passing offense. And when their coach has the guts to go for it and yours doesn't, then you get behind. And then the, the running game can be effective against you. So if they don't have the Nick Chubb bubble, if they don't have the muff punt, then I think the Browns are sitting there at 1-0. and And we're looking at this AFC and say the Chiefs lost, the Ravens lost, the Bills lost. We don't know how good the Patriots are going to be, but there are a lot of people who think that they could be in the mix because they have been in the past. They've got a good overall roster. You know, Mac Jones looks so good. I think they could be in the mix. And so you're like, all of the big teams from the AFC lost in week one. Of course, that's not the case because the Chiefs actually did win. And so they're now pulled ahead a little bit. It'll be interesting. The AFC West has benefited them the last couple of years in the same way that the AFC East has tended to benefit the Patriots. You know, you get that first round by because you're playing a lot of games against your own division. And if your own division is bad and you're going to go five and one, six and oh, then you have that little bit of an advantage over, say, the AFC North where those teams are beating each other up. And so that contrast can be a big deal in terms of home field advantage, in terms of getting the buy. We know teams that have the buy. If the teams are relatively even, and they're not always, but especially if you're even better than your opponents and have to play one fewer game, then you're going to get to the Super Bowl a big chunk of the time. It's nice to go want to know that AFC West was undefeated this week. We'll see if that plays out. 
uh, into the future anymore. If you're a Ravens fan, I think you have to be a little bit worried. If you're a Bills fan, probably not so much. Uh, how are you looking at the AFC through one week from a reality perspective? Kind of some interesting uh, non-fantasy here that obviously will cascade down into having plenty of fantasy relevance as we go forward in the season. Yeah, I think overall there was a couple of surprises. I think the biggest surprise, and you know, obviously the Steelers are expected to be a good team this year. I think them losing to the Bills was probably the biggest surprise. So we'll see after a couple of weeks how the, um, you know, how the Patriots are doing, how the the Dolphins are doing, things like that. There, I think overall though, it's going to be quite interesting. I think it would be an extremely interesting if the Chiefs hadn't to come back just for those opening weeks to see how things play around. But um, I think we're, especially with it being an extra week for this season as well, I think it'll be interesting as we go along to see if having that extra game week bails out some of these teams like the Packers who really struggled. You mentioned um, how the the AFC um, and and the Chiefs and and their division has gone this week in terms of all teams winning. The Packers kind of got a lucky break where all teams in the the nfc north lost this week so sometimes you can get a, a little bit of a get out of jail free card but it's always about how teams are going to rebound but for a couple of years it kind of felt like the afc was you know was the patriots and the broncos or there was two maybe three teams that could sneak in there um you know but they never really were able to put that real pressure on i think the browns even though they lost i think they showed that they're going to be quite a contender in that uh, division or in that conference this year so overall what i what i thought was that it's it's going to play out to be a kind of a fascinating run in here as they head toward the playoffs but look we've seen it before we could get to week six week seven and we could say like what happened in week one those teams are trash so <laughs> we'll see what happens there's always a couple of uh, big surprises early in the season but um i i was probably even though they lost most impressed by the the browns performance you mentioned Matt Ryan looking like someone you have to cut uh, in every league for fantasy football. Uh, we didn't get to see whether or not Fitzpatrick would have come through. The first quarter was a little bit disappointing, but you know all you have to do is look at how quickly Joe Burrow and the Bengals turned it on. You know, right before halftime, you know, made some nice plays in the second half. I mean, you need to see the full game to get a little bit of a sense of even the full game. We obviously know week one can be misleading, but now having Fitzpatrick out for a while, we are going to have to make some moves on some of these teams where Justin Fields and Trey Lance are sort of the long-term solution at QB. You know, you're going to have to score some points to keep up with Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, someone we promote on the show from time to time, more as a super flex second QB. He scores a lot of points, right? Throws for over 400 yards. They have the big comeback. They're playing against a Baltimore Ravens defense that traditionally has been pretty good. Did not look great yesterday. Positives and negatives, right? Where Darren Waller looks like the best player in the NFL for a week, or at least someone who could be that. On the other hand, I think that if you were going to pick up and play Derek Carr, you would have liked to see Henry Ruggs look better. You would have liked to see Brian Edwards do something before essentially overtime when he does make some plays there. You know, when it's Hunter Renfro and the fullbacks along with Darren Waller, you know, when Zay Jones is the guy they're having to go to because Ruggs and Edwards are playing that poorly. I mean, is this an offense where Derek Carr can be someone? Some other teams that we would look at, Mac Jones looked very good, but it's kind of hard to see that as being a fantasy juggernaut. Zach Wilson, even when he started off 
with the poor numbers, what was launching these missiles down the field that were really cool. Now, you know, whether or not you actually complete those passes and, you know, have the accuracy, have the timing with the receivers, whether that's playable in fantasy, a little bit of a different story, but you know, there might be lots of garbage time for the jets, which, which can pay off. Sam Darnold has the rushing touchdown. He looked okay. Uh, who are some of the late guys at QB that people should be looking at if they're needing to already make some moves because of injury, because you know they drafted Matt Ryan, uh, maybe they just want to move things around a little bit to you know try and keep up with some of these high scores. Do you have some guys that you're looking at in free agency this week? Yeah, I like the way that you keep going back to the fact that Matt Ryan is going to be terrible for the entire season. Um, maybe, I, maybe I won't ever get to live that down throughout, throughout 2021, but we'll see what happens there. I think he's going to be in for another bad night this coming week when they, they face off against the Buccaneers. Uh, when you were naming off them, a few interesting names there. I do think, you know, Heineke, it's going to be Thursday night football, but it's going to be going up against the uh, the Giants this week. Um, I think the, the Giants didn't show a huge amount uh, versus the Broncos, but I do think that Teddy Bridgewater is probably the option that I'd be looking to if we're looking for a one-week start, gets the Jaguars this week. Um, so I think there's going to be he, – he's probably the one that if I was targeting on a, on a one-week basis, um, quite a few other kind of challenging matchups from those kind of later quarterbacks this week. So he would be the one that I think would be available on most most waiver wires, um, wasn't getting drafted in kind of those uh, – those 20 round drafts really overall i think that's a good point i was hoping to add bridgewater a lot before the judy injury and then that i think does knock it back down for me you mentioned that when you look at the deep qbs for this week and daniel jones looked awful his receivers outside of sterling shepherd uh not open kenny galladay made a couple of highlight catches but you know, was not a huge part of the offense, which isn't a huge surprise since he hadn't been practicing and really hasn't had any chance to work with these guys. Uh, Jones with the rushing ability and the garbage time, there's some interest there perhaps. But as you mentioned, one of the things that does complicate matters for this week is that the guys kind of in that 25 to 32 range, they've got bad matchups. And so, you know, hopefully that holds them down a little bit. Kirk Cousins, someone who is generally unappealing for a variety of reasons, but you know he might be the guy where if he's available in your league, you look at him. I'm optimistic that maybe their games coming up are a little bit more explosive. When you have Jeff- Justin Jefferson, when you have Adam Thielen, you know when you can dump the ball off to Dalvin Cook, then that is uh, pretty appealing just from the weapons perspective. And so we have to look at him a little bit. But, Colm, a really exciting first week of the season. It's fun to be in first place. It's fun to go through and look at free agency and try and figure out how you're going to maintain that, how you're going to replace some things. It is disappointing when we lose guys like a Jerry Judy. But as I went through and looked at the rosters, one of the things we always talk about with Zero RB, we got a lot of uh feedback that was all over the place on our terms of and rampagement team where we drafted all of the wide receivers that team is looking very good we talked a little bit about how do you execute zero rb in season well we made the big bids we got sony michelle you know he not a big impact in week one probably wasn't expected i think the thing there is just that daryl henderson looked really good and so i you know some of that could be uh, money that we wish we now had to spend on elijah mitchell but you add him add Tyson Williams, have James Conner, and suddenly you're not in a much worse 
position than people who drafted Saquon Barkley. And so, which is us too. It's not like we're making fun of people. We've got plenty of Barkley. Uh, so, but then the situation there, you know, we have Travis Kelsey. We've got a lot of wide receivers. We can withstand it on most of the teams where I have Judy, I can plug someone in like a Debo Samuel. And so the team keeps ticking. Whereas if, you know, you're thinner at those positions, then a wide receiver injury means you're playing from behind the whole season. Now, one of the things that we do know is that, yeah, I mean, there are going to be some guys who emerge a little bit. Jalen Rager, you know, did he emerge? He, he scores the, the garbage time touchdown, you know, look good, but probably the volume is going to be a little bit suspicious. We don't know that we can necessarily count on him. You know, if you're hoping for a rugs to emerge, I mean, you look at the saints, for example, and Jameis Winston throws five touchdowns, but doesn't even get to 150 yards passing. It seems like this could be a very low volume offense. Callaway, not a part of it at all. And so, you know, you get into that wide receiver dead zone, you're taking a lot of guys, even if you take a lot of guys in that range, you know, you can be going week to week saying, I don't know if someone's going to catch a 60 yard touchdown or if they're going to score one or two points for me. And so, and it's not exclusively that either. I mean, you have a Brandon Ayuk. So, you know, if you have a Jerry Judy or you have a Brandon Ayuk, you've got six elite wide receivers. You move on to the next guy, wait for Judy to hopefully come back. You wait for Ayuk to, you know, re-earn his place in the pecking order. Kyle Shanahan, obviously using week one as a chance to, he likes to get out there and, and send some messages, let these guys know who's boss, which it, it seems to work okay. You don't get the super low morale reports out of San Francisco that, you know, we get from Jacksonville, for example, but part of that is being good at your job and winning, right? I mean, you're going to have more respect for a head coach who is leading you to the Super Bowl than a guy who comes in and I don't know, the, the Jaguars don't call them. The thing that I got out of week one is that the Jaguars don't want to throw the ball 51 times, but it's like, you know, you have James Robinson and you use Carlos Hyde instead. If you guys ever want to pick up a first down or score a point, you're going to have to throw the ball a lot, right? Because you don't understand NFL football yet. So I don't know. It, like we said, so much to go through. Really fun first week. It was nice to see that uh, LaVisca Chanel got some targets, as Blair points out in his week one recap. They were at three yards down the field. That's not a, a depth of target that's probably going to work out for him long term. So uh, it does seem like he may be the beneficiary of the Travis Etienne injury, because if LaVisca and Etienne were having to fight over those three-yard targets, <laughs> I don't know if there's enough for both guys. So now you win some, you lose some there. Uh, we think Chanel is still going to be good, or at least I do. We haven't talked about the Jaguars. We're, we're wrapping up the show, right? But do we have a LaVisca take? You know, no, I think you'll still be fine. Like you, we're always trying to learn. Every day is a, a learning opportunity. Hopefully in week one, um, the Jaguars, Norman Meyer, realized how to try and play in the NFL more efficiently. So <laughs> hopefully week two will bring better things. But yeah, I think, you know, DJ Chark, that was positive. Um, we'll kind of, we'll, I think it's, there's a lot of these teams I'm still doing wait and see. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we need to react efficiently to and get you know on board very quickly. And there's other stuff that I think will give it a, another week or two to play out. But overall, it wasn't um, terrible usage. Um, but as you say, I wouldn't like to see him fighting um, with ETN over those targets. But week two will be rapidly approaching. We will have two more shows this week coming your way. We are going to be recording these. We've peek behind the curtain during the off season we recorded them three shows at a time all at the same time this time we're going to be recording them split up so we will have opportunities if any questions are submitted later in the week as well to, to get them added in but 
uh, the, the listeners have got into a great habit of sending emails once the recording ends. So it's usually ready for the next week. So um, send in those questions if you do have them. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more tricky in season to answer very specific roster. If we answer them on a Saturday, it's not really going to benefit you that week. So do try and send in more kind of theory-based or kind of game specific as to maybe strategy rather than specific players but send them in and the other thing i want to send in is those uh, introduction players for the new rvot uh, introduction to the podcast send them our way uh, at overtime ireland on twitter or overtime ireland at gmail.com uh, as an email um that was a lot of words to try and get out off the top of my head but i think we got there sean uh week one is in the books get yourself that 10 percent discount to a rotavis nfl pass code rv radio 2021 or go to com forward slash podcast for more information that does it for today's show you can follow me on twitter at over you can check out all of sean's great work up on rotavis.com including uh, all the stuff that will be coming up throughout the week until we're back with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.